is Shop Talk Radio, episode 16, with Preston Smiles. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. Today's inspiring Shop Talk Radio guest is Preston Smiles. Preston is a heartfelt, intelligent man who is a leader in the world of conscious media. He's a brilliant writer, a thought leader, and co-founder of this awesome thing called The Love Mob. Basically a flash mob with a message of love, which we'll get to hear more about in this episode. We also get to hear where his name, Smiles, comes from. Through a heavy wake-up call, Preston went from being in a gang, beating up people, angry at life, to going to a prestigious school, transforming and becoming full of love. He's an amazing, full-of-life dude and has a powerful story. We get deep, we talk about life, perspective, and much more. In this episode, we talk about how thoughts shape and shift what we attract in our lives. Some thoughts even hold us captive, even when we aren't even thinking about it. Press is an inspiration and has many more thought-provoking concepts which you talk about as well. So let's jump in. Awesome. Well, we got Preston in the house today. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, man. Yeah. So it's uh, Preston Smiles, Preston Davis. What's uh, give us the lowdown? It's Preston Smiles. Cool. Cool. And where where is that? What's where's that from? Uh, About I would say ten years ago, I was in school and there was this particular janitor, and most people would not see her, Uh, and and. I started getting in this routine of bringing her a bottle of water and uh, like a granola bar. Yeah. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And she would be like, boy, I'm going to start calling you Preston Smiles. You always walk around here smiling. And she said it enough to where the other students started like catching on to it. And everybody started calling me that. And it got to a point where I was like, oh, that's my name. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, name is whatever we call ourselves. Yeah. You know? Wow, I love that. So, where, and where where did that mantra of yours come from? Just you know that gift, you know, be able to give to everybody, anybody you see on the street. Uh, you know what, dude? I I grew up in, in a situation where I had almost everything I could ever want, and then I watched it all crash due to drug-related issues and family stuff. And the one consistent thing between my mom and my dad, specifically my dad, was there was a point where we had houses all over. We were taking cruises and trips all over the world. And I noticed as like a nine-year-old that he never treated anyone different. Mm. From somebody living on the streets to his, the CEO of the company he was working for, they all had the same respect. And that subconsciously got into me and I just would operate from that space. So I think a lot of it is due to me being able to see an example of somebody who just loves people right where they are. Wow. So you developed this, the, the love mob. Tell us a little, bit about, a little bit about the love mob. Ah, yeah. The love mob is organized acts of love. So we 
we do what people would call flash mobs. Um, we do it through education and entertainment. So it has many different aspects to mm -hmm. it. But the one that most people know about, like we just did one at uh, a popular shopping center here in LA and in New York, San Diego, Portland, Oregon, Sacramento, the Netherlands, and a couple other places, all at the same time, same day. Um, we did a flash mob where wow. we showed up and sang the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, on December 14th, which is the second biggest shopping day in the United States and the anniversary of the Sandy Hook school shooting. So Wow, wow. So when was the first one? What, what year? The first one was one year ago on oh, December okay. 15th. So a year ago on the, on the 14th, the Sandy Hook school shooting happened. The next day, we showed up at Hollywood and Highland, about six, seven, six to 700 of us, and did the same thing, and we went crazy. We shut the street down. And this year, we did the same thing. It was the anniversary, and they brought out the helicopters, and we stopped all sales for 30 minutes in the grove. <laughs> wow. It was crazy. That's People were, like, grabbing their kids and, like, running because they thought it was, like um, like, a bad mob. <laughs> and then once they realized that it was all these amazing people just being a reminder, just being an interruption for all that consumerism, you know? Yeah, yeah. So where did the vision of this flat, this love mob come from? It came through in a meditation. Mm. Um, we like to say, because I'm not the only founder, it's myself, Alison Kunith, and Mustafa Shakir. And uh, we like to say one heart, one mind, one love, one yeah. verse. Yeah. So... Uh, Particularly, we, we, we sat in this meditation and it came through me and <clears throat> we had a conversation about it and Mustafa and Allison both said, listen, we've been talking about this for a long time. And I'm like, yeah, well, let's be about it. So yeah. we, we made the decision and the rest is history. And now it's blowing up. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So go back to what you're talking about with your father and, and how he... You, you subconsciously picked up that everyone is equal. Mm -hmm. And what was your life like growing up in that environment? You know, dude, I had a tricky, fun life because growing up as a African-American male, a lot of us go through these identity crises mm. because everything we see says that we're not enough, says that we're not actually beautiful and that we're aggressive and mean and dangerous and all of these other things. So... Uh, in my subconscious mind, when, like right now, everybody, listeners and you, when I say Jesus, what do you think of? White man. When I say Santa Claus, what do you think of? A white bearded man. Mm -hmm. When I say the G.I. Joes, the Jetsons, any, yeah. anything you can think about in that particular time when people were growing up, always equated to this other. And uh, if you don't see yourself your 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 child mind doesn't know how to wrap its its head around that. Yeah. So I was in a position where they didn't understand how I learned. Mm. So they labeled me special education. Therefore I was in the the classes with only like three or four people. Wow. And the the tricky part about it was I was super popular. I could fight I could play all the sports the best. I had all the best clothes because my dad had a bunch of money. And, but nobody would talk about the fact that I, after recess, that I would go to the special education class. And what's interesting about that is our education doesn't know how to 
deal with people like myself. Mm. You know, come to find out later on, I was just dyslexic. And and they told my mom that that I tested like in Einstein levels, genius levels on certain things and like a five-year-old on others. Wow. But, you know, these standardized tests and the way that we treat kids right now, it's just like one size fit all. If yeah. you don't fit into that, then you are dumb. And I took some of that on. So fast forward to me joining a gang, because at the same time, uh, Boys in the Hood and Colors and Gangster Rap and all of the media was saying a certain things. So I decided I needed to be that. So I joined a gang, started beating people up, spray painting, fighting. I got kicked out of six different schools. I was a whole nother person. Wow. Whole other person. And I had this situation where all at the same time I was playing sports. So they would take me from school to school to school and I would be on the basketball team and I'd be the star and I'd get kicked out of school. 15 years old, about to turn 16, um, a couple of my friends came over in a blue Astro van like they always do and we were going to go drink and smoke weed. And this was my first real understanding of what intuition was because mm. something in me said no. So like, oh, you ain't going to go? You're going to be a bitch? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I think I am. Ah, he's a pussy. Ah, right? And I'm like, yeah. cool, I'm a pussy. Cool, roll out. So they left. Within one hour, everybody in that Astro van was shot. And my best friend, Scott, was shot in the head. So he died. Wow. And that was the wake-up call for me. Mm. That was the that defining moment where I was like, oh, I see. There's more to this than what we're actually seeing here. Yeah. And my father made a call to a friend of his in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I was on a flight a week later. And I went to live in Pennsylvania. And I went to high school there. Wow. Is that where your, your, pa your parents are from? Nope. Nope. What, what was there? Nothing. <laughs> I got off the plane and there was a sign with my name on it. And a woman who was going to be my mother. Um, and to this day, Shirley Russell is my mother. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. Her compassion to just take in a 15-year-old kid out of nowhere. She didn't have kids, you know? Yeah. Just, be, just because she understood the, the, the severity of the situation. Like, I needed to go. Yeah. And, and I was the single only black person at North Allegheny High School at that time. And this was one of the richest counties in the United States. So they had turf football fields and like, it was amazing, amazing. Wow. And I went from a school with no books, fights every day, to a school with a broadcast system and everything is clean and beautiful. And also, once again, this is, this is why the love mob exists. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I've been to the bottom and I've been to the top. So I understand that there's no difference, yeah. that there is no separation that what we do to the least of our brothers, we also do to us, as Jesus says in the Bible. Yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing. So how did that affect you when you walked off, that pl walked off the plane, mm -hmm. 15 years old, you're in a whole new world? Yep, it, what, it was what, nuts. What were you experiencing? You know, it was excitement. I've always been, uh, <laughs> I've always been, as you can tell from the sports and the like craziness, I was a crazy little kid. Like I was, I would jump off at anything. I would throw rocks at anything. I just liked excitement and adventure. And 
for me, it was like, okay, a new start. Mm. Let's see, you know? So I actually embraced it, which whenever we have something new, we have a choice, Yeah, you know? We either treat it as an opportunity or we treat it as, as, a, as a tombstone. So true. So true. So where did you go from there? Like after you went through high school there and then... I went, I, I did a year there and then I came back to Carson High School in LA and they had actually previously kicked me out and they let me back in. So I graduated from there and okay. went straight to Louisiana to Southern University. Wow. Which is, I know, I'm all <laughs> over it. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is all black college in, in Louisiana. And, you know, I didn't like it. Mm. I was once again the most popular person on the campus because um, I'm this dude from California who's off the hook. And I didn't necessarily fit in. Yeah. I liked it. I loved college for that reason. I loved, I, I, after I graduated from there, I got 10 offers for scholarships around the country, one of which was Louisiana State University for acting, for MFA mm -hmm. in acting. And I decided to take that. So I do have a master's degree. Wow. And that school, Louisiana State University, is 31,000 people. And 85% of that 31,000 is Caucasian. So same, same state, Louisiana is 50-50. So 50% black, 50% white. Mm -hmm. But the biggest school is 85% white. So once again, I'm jumping from like, all-black small college to an all-white one and once again loved it loved it hated school but i loved being there you know yeah um at one point i had a blonde mohawk and i would ride this pink skateboard through the quad and everybody would be like look at that faggot and, and it just turned into like this like amazing adventure and how to be me yeah and how and they i was in the school paper all the time they would quote me for all kinds of stuff. I would get in their face. I would talk all kinds of crap. It was amazing. That's awesome. Uh-huh. So how did you deal with that when people were saying all that kind of stuff? You know, a lot of people, you know, listening here have dealt with that kind of thing. People making fun of them and, mm -hmm. and running against the grain is, is so hard. You know, there's a certain level of emotional intelligence that you have to have to mm -hmm. like push through those things. What, how, did that, how did you deal with that? I didn't. I, I, I got into fights and I took it personal. And, you know, it is impossible to know left without right, up without down, in without out, warm without cold, right? Yeah. So those things I'm highly thankful for. I took it personal. I did. And, but the rebel in me, the double Leo Aries in me, that fire spirit in me, took it personal and then did more of it. Mm -hmm. A lot of us, you know, something we get judged and we retreat. You know, yeah. and neither one is 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 okay, in in a sense, because we have one job, and that job is to be us. Yeah. You know, nobody can be Nick like you can be Nick. What you came here to do, no one else can do, and what I came here to be, do, and have, no one else can. Yeah. So it's our job to stand in our power. It's our job to stand in our light. And I was uh, in a position at that time where my consciousness couldn't wrap my head around, no problem can be solved at the level of consciousness in which it was created. Now that's Einstein. Yeah. I later found that out. I later figured out that you cannot beat fire with more fire. You can only beat fire with air or, or, or water or, or wind or something else other than more fire. Yeah. 
And that's what I definitely was. I got into a fight at 25 years old in college. I'm in grad school. And take in mind, only two people out of six years graduated with straight A's. I am one of them. Wow. So simultaneously, while I am in all the big plays and teaching undergrad, I had three classes I was teaching. I'm also getting into fights and and bars. Uh, So it was a lot of, it was a giant learning curve for me. Yeah. So what got you past that? You know, that anger, we experienced the anger. I I got really upset with Louisiana. I got really upset with separation. I got really upset with, with George Bush and all of these things. And I was pointing outside of myself, but at the same time, feeling all of it. You know, and and I came to this to this place actually it's so interesting. I graduated, still with that anger, and I said, Screw Louisiana, I'm going back to California. And I got back to LA and within a couple months I started having these heart palpitations. Mm. And I was like, Okay, that's weird. So eventually I went to a cardiologist and they said they gave me um, gave me a machine and hooked it up to me for a week, and they monitored my heart. And they said, yo, something's off. We can't tell you what it is, because you're a baby and you shouldn't have heart problems, but something's off. Um, So we're gonna keep monitoring you. In between that time, they gave me some medicine that they said I would basically take for the rest of my life. Out of our greatest rejection comes our greatest direction. Mm. And whenever your health is at stake, you make big change, massive change. And that's exactly what I did. The, the doctor asked me, uh, how's your diet? Which, by the way, if you're listening, that is a clue. That's the first thing they ask about when anybody gets sick. They ask about what you put in your body. Mm. Because what we put in is what we get out every time. We, we always reap what we sow. So... He asked me what my diet was, and I was like, oh, I eat McDonald's, I eat Burger King, I eat chicken, I eat steak, uh, soda, and I'm just naming off these things. And he's like, young man, how long have you been doing this? I said, my whole life. He's like, wait, your whole life? He's like, but like how many days? I was like, seven days out of seven days, that's how I eat. And he was like, okay, that's got to change. And I started doing a little bit of research, just a little bit, on what it is that I was putting in my body. And I realized why, my, why it was breaking down. Because if you put rocks in a gas tank, eventually, <laughs> yeah. that's not gonna work. Your car is not yeah. gonna drive. And that's what happened to me. So that, and he asked about my stress levels. And that's when the bing, 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 all the aha moments. I was like, oh, crap. Right? <laughs> I've been so stressed out. I've been carrying the pain and the weight of all of America. I've been trying to save my family and save the world. And that's a lot to carry. Yeah. That's a lot to carry. So more than even the food was my mindset. Mm. And right when that happened, the secret came out. And I started Uh dating this girl and her godmom said, here's this book. It's called Ask and It Is Given by Jerry and Esther Hicks. You should try this. And I was like, hmm, all right, I'll open it. Homie, when I opened that book, everything changed. Wow. Everything. From that day to today, I I have been on a nonstop roller coaster going up. Wow. Yeah. So what was the first change that happened? I realized that thoughts become things. Mm. I realized that that 
that thought is creative and that what I think about and speak about creates at one level. And what I think about, speak about, and act from creates at a whole nother level. So it became, I, 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 I became less reactive and more creative mm. because this life is about choice, not chance. And a lot of us operate from chance. I hope. I hope I win the lottery. I hope I meet my perfect mate. I hope I don't get fired. I hope, I hope, I hope. There is no hope. It's all creation. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Man, it's, it's so, so true. I mean, we're responsible for, for what happens in our lives. What, you know, and a lot, so many times we don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get to choose where we're heading. And like, what, where did you choose to go from there? I chose to 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 do my inner work. I chose to to be the best version of me, mm. and that's been a journey. I'm still in that journey, and it'll never end. Yeah, as long as we're in these bodies. See, uh, a lot of people think, "Oh, I read that self help book, so now I'm done," or "I did that transformational class, so now I'm done." But really, the work is just beginning. Because yeah. we, we've, we've seen these masters come to the earth. These people like Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela and Gandhi and Mother Teresa. But the time of, of just the Messiah is gone. Yeah. Now it's us. It's a we thing. And the we, the collective, and, and this is how I view it, it. If you, Nick, take care of you and you clean up your consciousness, and I take care of me and I clean up my consciousness then there's nothing to clean up. Yeah. See, we spend a lot of time pointing at everything else. We spend a lot of time t- talking about, you know, well, video games are bad and Kim Kardashian is bad. And what, but the big thing is, how are you participating in that? Mm. How are you? Do, you? do you buy cable stations that, that support that? Do you go to movies that, that you know, shoot a million people and no, the hero never dies. And all of that stuff plays a part in the collective consciousness. Mm. And, and the game I'm up to is, is proving that the world is round. Ooh. You know? Yeah. So how, how, do you, how are you going to do that? Well, let me just clear that up a little more. <laughs> there was a group of people who said, dude, the world is round. And the collective consciousness, a bunch of people said, bull, bull, if you go to the edge, you will fall off death. So we're not going to the edge. But that group said, no, 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 I'm clear. They had a vision. Mm. And the vision was the world is round. Like they knew it. Internally, they knew it. And for myself and people like you and, and Lewis and Alexi Panos and all these different people, we understand that love is all there is. Mm. That the truth of our being is that love is all there is. But it's going to take us exploding ourselves, turning into the biggest light possible in order to prove that. Yeah. And that's how we prove that the world is round. I love that. I love that. And, you know, we all have to like, you know, to love, we truly have to love ourselves. Exactly. Tell me more about that. That is, everything. <laughs> that's everything. Yeah. That's that you clean up your consciousness, I clean up mine. You, you, it's, it's impossible 
to love another without loving the self first. Yeah. So, you know, for somebody out there listening, what's the first step to loving yourself? I, I play these games, right? I do these little tricks and these little games with my clients because I, I have a coaching practice. I have a conversation with my lies, right? So mm. we all have these lies running through our heads, these tapes, you're not good enough. You're gonna miss it. You're gonna be late. What are they gonna think about you? Oh my God, look at that fat pocket around your, your belly. Look at that. It's all those, all those lies, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of us take those lies serious. But I actually acknowledge them, I notice them, and I go, wow, that's hilarious, because that's not true. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the first step to loving the self is acknowledging the BS, Yeah. the belief system, or the BS, Yeah. You know? and, and not fighting it, because what you resist persists. The moment you, you say, um, Nick, you can't leave that door then all of the energy that is in you is trying to leave the door. You yeah. see what I'm saying? We've now illuminated that thing. So how it works is you don't fight it. You just notice it and choose anew. Mm. So, so my campaign for myself, my, my inner dialogue is if, if Lil Wayne, Justin Bieber, uh, and Miley Cyrus are here, mm -hmm. I'm not going to highlight them and talk crap about where they are in their consciousness. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a new category. And instead of Little Wayne, it'll be Little Preston, you know? And they get to look at that because we all have a responsibility. Yeah. I know that my voice carries. I know that based on the way that I look, people listen to me more than they would with somebody who our society doesn't call beautiful. Mm. So with great responsibility, is that from Spider-Man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, great uh, power comes great responsibility. Yes. There we go. Spider-Man in this joint. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. And, you know, the more, the higher the consciousness, the more responsibility we have mm -hmm. to influence the lives of others. Exactly. And, and to love others and to create in this world. Like tell, tell us more about creation versus reaction. Mm. Yeah. Everything is in creation. We're always creating. We're creating right now while we're, while we're speaking. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing is to be conscious of the creation. And how do you do that? You do that by monitoring your thoughts. Mm. So you notice the thought and then you redirect it. Everybody out there, today you will have dumb thoughts. You will have thoughts that do not align with who you really are. But instead of being mad at yourself and beating yourself up, you just notice and you redirect. Yeah. So let's say you're driving and the thought is, and I tell this story because it's crazy, but it's really happened to me. I was driving one day and I saw this family on the side of the road and the thought came up to run them over. Wow. Now, how crazy is that? <laughs> that is crazy. But pay attention to the wording. I said, the thought came up, not my thoughts. I didn't claim the thought because I knew that that was Grand Theft Auto. That was... Um, born Identity 19. It was all the movies and all the things that I've seen, you know, Terminator 2 and all of those stuff that's, that's come through my consciousness. That's in the collective consciousness. And I do not claim that thought as mine. So instead mm. I redirected the thought and I went, wow, look how beautiful that mom is. Look how she holds her son's hand. Look at that love. Look at that care. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I redirected the thought because that was not my thought. I did not claim that thought, that thought came through. 
but we're just the vessel. Yeah, totally. So how does one become aware of these thoughts? Because a lot of times it's so subconscious. We don't even, mm -hmm. we don't even think about it. We think about it, we don't think about it. Yeah. And the first step is being aware. Exactly. How does one become aware of, of these thoughts? Just really honing in when you, when you, when you get in that spiral. Because we, we know, we know, because yeah. thoughts, the thoughts push the emotions. So if you find yourself in an emotional spot, if, you, if you're angry, just go rewind. What have I been thinking? Oh, I was just upset about the fact that I didn't have a house to go to for Thanksgiving. That's what created, you know, blank, 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 and blank. So paying attention to the emotions. Yeah. Your emotions will tell you what you've been thinking. Now, I'm one of those people, I teach practical spiritualism. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't believe that we need to be sitting up in some cloud and that you're not going to experience pain and anger and things of that nature. But how you operate with those, how you interact with those things is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Yesterday? Yesterday. I was skateboarding down the street really fast and I had my headphones on and I'm jamming and I'm feeling good and I hit a rock. And when I tell you I flew, <laughs> I like <laughs> bounced off the ground. Oh man. And immediately, bang, 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 pain, right? And then I knew because I do this work that I had a choice to make. I had a choice how I was going to relate to the, to the pain mm. because Byron Katie says that all pain is in the past. Like if I reached across this, across this table and I slapped you, the slap would be in the past. Yeah. The reaction would be how you chose to view that. Right. So you could go, ow, ow, you slapped me, ow, ow, you slapped me. You're right? You see what I'm saying? This yeah. is what we do. So look for all those places in our lives where we're holding on, holding on to the slap, to the pain. Yeah, because it feels good, it feels comfortable. Exactly, exactly, we know where it is. Yeah, so being uncomfortable is a place of growth. It is, all, all growth happens on the edge of uncomfortability. We have to step uh, to the edge of the proverbial diving board. Yeah. And actually jump. There's only one way to really learn, to really uh, illuminate our lives and that is to jump yeah but so much fear comes with that mm -hmm. it does how does one overcome that fear well shakespeare says that a coward lives a thousand deaths and and what i per perceive that to be is most of the time all the stuff that's running in our head never happens so all the worst case scenarios never happen true but we're, li we're reliving it anyway because on a cellular level the mind doesn't know a difference between that happening and not happening. Yeah. And the body catches everything. So, um, wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you overcome those fears of jumping? Oh, yes. Yeah. Knowing that no matter what, it's not going to be how you think it is. It never is. It never is. Think about the worst, 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 worst thing that can happen. And that still won't happen. Yeah. It won't happen the way you think it will ever yeah and usually and it, this is the scenario i give some of my coaching clients we have to be willing to fail to fall and and we've all done it in our lives we've all done it many times and i'm gonna give you an example that every single person who's probably listening right now has done mm -hmm. 
And that is, at some point, you were one. You were one years old, one years young. And you saw all these people walking around. You said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I promise you, I'm going to do that. You had vision and you made a, a declaration. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to walk. And you kept getting up, bang, falling, getting up, bang, falling. You held on to people's pant legs, bang, fell again. <laughs> you take one step, boom, right? But one day you stood up and it all paid off. Mm. And you took about five steps and you fell again, but you were already hooked by then. Yeah. We, we get to do that in our lives now. We get to be willing to fall over and over and over again, because as long as there is breath in your body, that is a, that's God's confirmation number. Yeah. As long as there's breath in your body, that means you still have a mission. You're still here on assignment. And the only way to figure out the assignment is to actually do, be, and have. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if we're still breathing, we're still alive, we're still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All perspective. Yeah, and I, I love that. I kind of I want to go back to what you're talking about, what you resist persists, mm-hmm. and how that magnifies into your life. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. So we are magnets. At the base root, I'm not actually black, just like you're not whatever nationality you are, right? Yeah. And anybody else, you, you may think you're white, you may think you're Asian, you're not. At the, at the root of everything, you're just energy. You're just vibration in a space. Mm. And vibration has a frequency, and frequency attracts itself. So like attracts like. So when you resist something, you now, you now call it into your experience because the God doesn't speak English. The universe doesn't speak English. It speaks frequency. Mm. So when I say, and this is, this is like, we're getting into like trigonometry of like esoterics, right? And we're going to go there because I know you guys can handle this. When I say, I want more money, I have now just resisted more money. Hmm. Do you understand that? A little bit. How? See, see, see what you can get out of it, because this will help everybody. What, do you, what did you just hear? So I want, mm-hmm. which means I don't have it. Boom. Mm-hmm. So that now I'm coming from a place of... It's frequency. Yeah. That, the universe just says yes over and over again. I want, therefore it doesn't exist. Mm. And it just repeats that. So we, 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 we get to change our language because mm. language has a frequency as well. Every word that we put out into the world has a frequency and a vibration and that doesn't stop. Yeah. So um, instead of I want money, I claim abundance. You know, mm. I'm calling in money in the form of finances. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We change our language. Because until we do that, we are in resistance too. We are saying that it does not exist in us. Therefore, the universe, God, whatever you would like to call it, just says yes. God wants what we want every time, no question. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs> powerful. Yeah. It's, and the, the power of language, which I've been learning over the last few months, is huge. And especially like speaking things into existence. Mm-hmm. And that comes into goals and goal writing and declaring, you know, I just did, you know, some goals for this year. And, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing, especially last year, when you write things down and you declare them, mm-hmm. 
they come into play. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I'm sure you experienced that in your life. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just wrote an art- article for the Huffington Post about that, about how when we say something, we have a 50-50 chance. When we say it and we write it down, it goes up to 70%. When we say it, write it down and tell somebody, it goes up to 85%. Wow. Like just statistically, that's what your, your goal goes to. Like that's how, how likely it will happen. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's powerful. So write this stuff down, declare, yeah. tell people. <laughs> exactly. Get out there. Yeah. So what other things are you, what, tell me what else you're up to. Like what else are you creating in the world? I'm, I'm currently wrapping up uh, the last uh, edits of my book, which is called Love Louder. 31 mm. tips and challenges to becoming love's voice and i am stepping further into my speaking career and and solidifying myself as somebody who is a thought leader mm. that's amazing so that's the grand vision the grand vision is to get in front of millions and billions of people and speak truth which is love is all there is i love that and you you are on your way my friend Appreciate it. Your, uh, I love your energy and and, the, and your speaking. It's like powerful. Thanks, dude. So yeah, you're on your way. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the Love Mob. You know, can people get involved with that? Yeah, the Love Mob. Love Mobs are happening everywhere. Love Mob is going global. So I highly suggest everybody going to thelovemob.org or typing in Facebook forward slash the Love Mob. The Love Mob. Um, or you can find it me anywhere at Preston Smiles just at Preston Smiles. Um, Love mobs are amazing. It is an opportunity for us to be childlike, to, yeah. be, to be more in our bodies. And, and see, our understanding is, yes, it will be a digital revolution, but it will also be a hand-to-hand revolution. Mm. People need to get from behind our little boxes and actually touch and play and dance and celebrate because you don't change the world. And we've learned this from the 60s. See, as much as I speak about um, science and esoterics, I also study history. And what we learned through the 60s and any other time somebody tried to create a revolution was that at the moment you make it about us versus them, everyone loses. So the love mob understands that there is no, there is no other. There's only us. Yeah. And instead of fighting what we don't want, we celebrate what we do. We celebrate what we are calling in as a society. Yeah. We are making the world round. We're speaking it into existence. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. I love that. So, do you now your coaching is is on the same? What's your coaching program yeah. about? Uh, I'm an empowerment coach. Okay. So, it, people come to me and they want to live a higher, more vibrant life. And you know, I find that that is one of the most amazing gifts that I have is to be able to relate and get in there with people because I have been what most people would call um, financially successful. And I've also been in a place where I came home and my house was boarded up. You know, I've dealt mm-hmm. with all of it. I've been in a gang. I've, I've traveled through India. I've sat in slums for months. I've done a lot of stuff and been a lot of places and I'm willing to do the work on myself. Mm-hmm. So anybody like that, I suggest everybody out there listening, I promise you su- success leaves clues and wealthy people do one thing in common, and that is they all have coaches. Mm. You see, Michael Jordan has a, had, a, had a coach, a shooting coach. Tiger Woods had a coach. 
Um, all the, I've sat in seminar after seminar, workshop after workshop, and all these people, I, like I was sitting in one uh, a couple months ago, and they was, like the whole room was millionaires and me. And, and he offered, this particular guy offered a $50,000 buy-in for a mastermind group. And I promise you, 80% of the room raised their hand. And I'm like, wow. But they get this principle that is, you can't make, and I'll, I'll make it for us, you can't make $20 decisions when you're calling in a $50 lifestyle. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, they understand that by buying into that mastermind group, by buying into those coaching programs, they are, not, they, they are adding to their education. They're adding to their, to their network. And in order to go from uh, 100,000 to 500,000, you cannot make the same decisions you made at 100,000. Right. Because that just repeats that. And the, the same goes without money. You know, if you're calling in your life, the real you, you can't make decisions how you've been making them for the past 10 years. You need somebody to come in like myself or whoever and go, yo, what's that? Talk to me about that. Like I give my, I give my clients assignments. Mm. They have daily adventures. We have calls, we have all kinds of stuff. And it's about getting out there and actually living, putting massive action behind all the stuff we talk about. Yeah, I love that. So how, now, this, is, this podcast is really, especially for creative entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and, and creating that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So how would you apply what, that, what you just said in the creative space for creative entrepreneurs? Everything applies, it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, creative, financial, whatever, however you'd like to put it, it's all the same principles. And that is whatever le level of consciousness you're creating at, there's more. There's always more. Yes, we honor where we are, but we also understand that and strive towards the mountaintop. Yeah. And, and the question is, how do you get to the mountaintop? Well, you get to the mountaintop by enjoying the journey, by being here now, mm -hmm. but also by being strategic. You know, like in The Richest Man in Babylon, they, he talks about not going to, to the shoemaker to ask about gold. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's the same thing in, in a creative aspect, you know? Like if, if you're calling in the highest version of you and, and spreading your art all over the world, don't go to somebody who, who doesn't understand the, the, the science and the principles behind what it takes to take that to the next level. You know, and that goes for relationships too. Funny enough, and I know I'm switching the topic a little bit. I deal with so many people who come to me and they say, well, you know, I was in the relationship and then my friends told me that he was just such this and then, and then, I, then I got out of the relationship. And a long time ago, uh, this guy who I was sitting with, a coach actually said that the most expensive advice you can ever get is advice from a poor person. Hmm. And that doesn't mean poor in finances. That means poor in spirit. That means poor in the subject in which they're speaking into. Mm. So a lot of us, whether we're creative entrepreneurs, we're in a relationship, or we are making a decision about what car to buy, you don't ask somebody who doesn't know about cars about what car to buy. Just like you don't ask somebody or take someone's advice about relationships who has not been in a successful relationship. Yeah. You know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Powerful. And so that, and you know, it all comes to like internal work. Yes. And I mean, I, I've noticed like through my journey over the last year that working on yourself internally is going to manifest so many other things in your life. 
mm. and yeah and because you're you're coming at it from an internal perspective mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's what the coaching is all about mm-hmm. it is really like kind of crafting your internal mindsets raising those becoming more emotionally intelligent to push through the fears that mm-hmm. that come so you can jump off that's it man that's everything that's the inner gym is everything yeah all everything we see right now these microphones these computers everything that is right now wherever you are standing look around the room everything you see was created from thought mm. so that means that we can create at a whole nother level like think about it we now get into a giant thing and it flies across the world and we call it an airplane that was a thought at some point and and we all have that capability but it has it's all inner work if you do not go within you will go without everything happens on the inside first yeah so how does one cultivate creativity with from within themselves stillness Mm. stillness that's the one thing that we do not use enough you know it's that thing about like if i slap you if i slap you you react immediately yeah but then you're in reaction you're not in creation right but if you if you if if we practice stillness yes meditation yes meditation but also just stillness Mm -hmm. like okay wait a minute i i have these these questions and i wrote an article on the huffington post you guys can look it up if you'd like um called Three Powerful Questions That Can Transform Any Situation. And one of those questions is, in the stillness, you say, what good is here that I presently cannot see? Like, he just slapped me. What good is here that I presently cannot see? Mm. Another question, what's the highest choice? In the stillness, you ask these things. Mm. Another question, what would love do now? Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No matter what aspect you're in, whatever, whatever business you're calling in, be still. Like the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. And I'm sure meditation has a lot to do with that. Meditation is a game changer. I do transcendental meditation 20 minutes a day every day, twice a day. Would it, now explain a little bit more what it, what it, for people that don't know, what is that? Uh, TM is a type of uh, meditation. It is, there's two types of meditations. There is monastic and there's householder. Monastic is like sitting on the mountaintop. Your fingers are in a certain way and your legs are crossed, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we all kind of view meditation as. Um, Transcendental meditation is for the householder. It's for people who actually are moving and shaking and getting things done in their lives. Mm. And that is a certain practice. I would highly suggest um, going to or googling somebody named light watkins Mm. he's a transcendental meditation teacher he travels the world doing it from la new york chicago all over the place so um i learned from him i know that david lynch and the david lynch foundation they do that oprah and a bunch of other people do transcendental meditation and the purpose of meditation in general is to is to quiet the mind Mm. and you quiet the mind by noticing the mind and not trying to force the mind so they give you a mantra a mind vehicle and you repeat that over and over again in a soft tone and yeah i don't want to give away the whole thing but (laughs) i suggest i started out let me just tell you guys this i started out meditating with five minute youtube meditation tracks 
you know, because I live by the creed and I, I teach my clients this, small hinges swing big doors. So you, you do little things daily and you've now built up a muscle. You know, I take a rock and I put it in my hand and I, I pump it over and over again. My bicep's going to get bigger. Yeah. So if I sit in front of a computer and I say five minutes every day, I'm just going to sit in stillness and play a YouTube track. And when the track is over, I'm up. I did that. Within a couple of weeks, I was up to seven minutes. A couple of weeks later, I was up to 10 minutes. A couple of weeks later, I was doing 30 minutes. Then I was like, oh, I'm going to go get some formal training. And that's where transcendental meditation came from. Wow. So how have you seen that um, affect your life by, by doing this? Oh, it's huge, man. That's, uh, meditation is a game changer. The, um, like we said, everything is energy. And how we use that energy is, is how our life shows up, essentially. And through meditation, I've, I've gotten to this space where I, I can consciously wield my energy like a sword um, and not be at the whims of it. Mm. So through that stillness, through that quiet, all kind, the love mob was birthed through a meditation. Wow. That came through in a meditation. So we open up the channel in meditation. We allow the knower because no matter how much we pretend we know we don't. But but I, I understand that I don't have to know. I just have to know the knower. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's deep. Uh-huh. That's and that's deep. and that's how you know the knower. You go within. No matter what religion or spirituality or whatever it is, whatever dogma you use, when you get quiet you allow divine intelligence to do the damn thing. You, mm -hmm. you allow the knower to salsa, to merengue, to crip walk through your consciousness. And there, th that, you can never go wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it's like makes life a dance. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I mean, kind of the synchronicity of everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you're more in tune with yourself like that, the world becomes more synchronous. Oh, yes. Tell me more about that. Hmm. Yeah, there's a... I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with something called the chaos theory. But the chaos theory says that if you pull far enough back, you just keep pulling back, pull back, pull back, pull back. Just keep stepping outside of your current situation, further, further, further back, all the way into the cosmos. You'll look back and you'll see that there's a divine order to the whole thing that it actually wasn't chaos. That the same thing that grows the tree and the blade of grass was growing us. That mm. what we are seeking is seeking us. Mm. That's how. And when we resist it, mm -hmm. what happens? Then there's a consequence. Yeah. This is a cause and effect world. And remember the universe, God, whatever name is on the door, just says yes. It just says yes. Because it, it's all... we. This is opinion here. This is opinion. I'm calling that out. It all ends in the same place. No matter what path, no matter what path you take, you take the left side, the right side, the middle, whatever angle you take, it all ends in the same place. Mm. There is only love. So when we leave these bodies, when we leave these shells, what remains? Consciousness, love, energy. Yeah. So for me knowing that frees me you know i i actually a couple months ago 
um, had this situation and you guys, this will trip you guys out. I was driving to a festival, a festival I've been to before. I knew where to turn. And for some reason, I just kept driving. Hmm. And then I looked up and I said, what the, dude, why did I just keep going? I'm 20 minutes outside of where I was trying to go, <laughs> right? Yeah. So then I had a choice. I could have gotten angry about that and upset with myself, but I said, oh, okay, there's, there's obviously something behind this. Um, Nick, I turned, the, I turned my car around. Within 30 seconds of me turning my car around, I looked up and a motorcycle got hit by a car. Wow. The guy gets flipped off the motorcycle and thrown like 50 feet up against like this embankment. His legs are broken in 50 different places and he's immediately, he's dead. I get out of my car, I run over there to him. And I, you know, they say that it takes 72 hours for a soul to leave the body. Mm. And it's stillness, it's complete silence. And I run over and I just pray over him. And, and affirm how beautiful, and I, I pray for his family, I pray for his kids that are gonna get that call, for his wife that's gonna get that call, that dad's not coming home today. And it was clear to me that the chaos theory is real, that I missed that turn so I could be there to pray over his body, to help usher his spirit to the next vortex. And that's happening all the time for all of us, all the time. We just have to recognize it. We just have to recognize it. Wow. That's powerful. Thanks, man. Wow. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful, man. And, you know, you exemplify love and that's inspiring to me. Appreciate it, man. And um, so one last question. What does live inspiration mean to you? Live inspiration. That means live love. That means live life. That means be willing to fall. That means uh, I, I have this, this creed that I live by and that is love will find a way. Everything else will find an excuse. So today find a way that's what live inspiration means to me Whew. love it yeah I love it well so where can we find you online prestonsmiles.com on twitter instagram and facebook it's at preston smiles i do really a lot of work through facebook um, and now i'm switching to twitter i also have a youtube channel called questions with preston where this is all in video form and i do these fun crazy crazy ass videos um but it all has consciousness behind it and we it's a message so um questions with preston on youtube or just type in preston smiles basically type in preston smiles anywhere and you <laughs> shall find me love it so same with same with uh huffington post all that stuff we talked about yep all of it preston smiles huffington post preston smiles the daily love preston smiles <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, man. You got a little brand going on. Exactly. A little I, bit. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, man. You are dope, man. I, I really appreciate you and I appreciate all your listeners. Anybody out there, if, if you made the decision to actually even listen to this, then see, with the universe, you take one step, it takes 15 right? Mm. So just listening to this podcast, just reaching out and wanting more, the universe says yes. And it's going to deliver more. So congratulations. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Shop Talk Radio and joining me as we dive underneath the hood of the creative lifestyle 
Again, I am your host, Nick Onkin, and if you enjoyed today's episode, then go over to iTunes and leave us a good review so that we can spread the word and inspire even more people in the world to live inspiration and share their inner creativity. Also, we'd love to see where you're listening to the podcast, so snap a photo on Instagram, hashtag liveinspiration, or tag me at Nick Onkin so that you can inspire other people to listen wherever they are at. But beyond this, check out nickonkinshoptalk.com to read articles on creating the creative lifestyle anywhere from emotional intelligence to any other aspect of creative entrepreneurship. I'll be also posting up editorial content in the form of visual essays that I get to create with my photographic eye and my craft and my career. Uh, But most of all, you get to join the underground creative community that we're creating. So thanks again for joining us. Now go share your creativity with the world. Uh